Hi, and welcome back to the Too Much Lime podcast. I'm Maddie. And I'm Julia. And today we're going to be talking about the challenges of isolation in terms of personal relationships, mental health, and just the overall toll that it takes on somebody who's struggling with chronic illness. Um, This is a topic that's really dear to Maddie and I's heart. Um, That's why we're making it, you know, one of our... um, (laughs) most recent episodes. Um, And in case you can't tell by the fact that I like can't form sentences, Maddie and I are both actually having pretty tough health days today. So um, please bear with us a little bit. (laughs) We're trying our best. Um, So kind of just start things off. um, Maddie and I both got really sick in, you know, college and in our 20s. And those are, you know, times that most of your peers are going out and having fun and, you know, living it up and in New York City or in, you know, college setting parties and stuff like that. And so... Yeah, and everyone's staying up until 1 a.m. and, you know, just going out all the time. Exactly, exactly. And it's a time where that's, like, really normal. And so when you get sick and it literally throws a wrench into that, you know, quote-unquote normal lifestyle... It can take a really big toll on you personally and then also the relationships that you build with other people around you. Exactly. And I remember, so I transferred college the beginning of my junior year and it was really hard because you want to meet all of these people and, you know, build lasting relationships and friendships that, you know, will carry you through tough times and stuff like that. And it was so hard because even, you know, trying to fully engage, like everybody wants to go out and that's awesome and everybody should want to, but like, I just don't have the capacity for it 90% of the time. It's like, even if I'm there, I'm only half there because internally I'm just thinking about how tired I am and how much pain I'm in. And honestly, like, when can I go to bed? You know, when can I, you know, focus for the rest of the day, you know, where am I going to get all of my, you know, rest in and stuff like that. And it's really hard. I remember my senior year of college when I was back, I would, you know, really try to put in that effort to, you know, go to the beginning of a party or something like that, just to, you know, that's when you see a lot of people and that's when you spend time with people. But, you know, to what you just said, it's really hard to enjoy talking to people when there is loud music playing and your head is pounding and you like are dizzy and you just want to go to sleep. So like you're you're trying to put in the effort because otherwise you feel like you're missing out and you know you feel guilty and all this stuff, but then when you do put in that effort, sometimes it can hurt you, you know, the next day or two days later. Yeah, and for me even before I got sick, you know, I didn't really like going out during the weekday, but like the weekends were really fun and you could go to events and stuff like that, but once I got sick, it was just so hard because, you know, the weekend I would spend like 90% of it sleeping because all I was trying to do was catch up from like and rest from the week. And it was just so hard to then like on top of that, try and gear myself to go out and stay up late into the night and early morning and know that like I was going to be in so much more pain the next day. And the whole week was then going to be thrown off by it. So it's trying to navigate all of these challenges to ensure that, you know, like you don't want to make yourself worse, but there's like, okay, what's the trade-off? Do I decide that I'm going to make myself worse and like it's worth it? Or is it 
this not the time that I should be going out? You know, like I should decide against, you know, there's always a balance. You know, you have to make a decision and eventually like you find the balance that works for you, but I don't think you ever really get used to it. But, you know, right. the time that you go out is the time that you get to make memories and continue to build friendships and meet new people and, you know, garner new experiences. And when you're constantly in bed and, you know, even if I get out and I'm not fully there, I probably seem very rude to people who are around me who aren't my close friends and like understand what's going on in my head. But a lot of times, like you're not going to understand that I just am only thinking about, you know, I'm like basically disassociating and my body is only holding me there because that's all it can do. But the rest of it just being, okay, I don't know how to engage in this conversation because like the lights are blaring, the music's loud, I have a headache, I'm exhausted, like feel like I'm going to pass out and I can't think of 12 more things for me to say to you. But how am I supposed to meet new people and continue to bolster friendships and, you know, be a good friend to other people if I'm consistently sitting there? And I just always think that that's really hard. Right, right. I remember, um, and I, I mean, I had, just like you, I think we both had amazing friends who completely understood the situation and supported us through it. And I lived with five other girls and, you know, on the weekends, as you said, I would, I was really lucky that I went to school only an hour away from my house. And so I ended up going home a lot of weekends and just like taking baths and watching movies and sleeping. Um, But even if I was on campus and, you know, I would drive my friends to a party and say hi to everybody and then leave, the next morning we kind of had a ritual where we all sat down and they would fill me in on all of like, you know, the funny and crazy stories that happened that night, which I loved. And, you know, it was always like a highlight of the weekend of hearing all this crazy stuff. But it was kind of like, damn, like I I wish I was there to experience all of those things rather than just listening to them the next morning. And I knew, you know, of course, it wasn't anybody's fault. You know, my roommates staying home, I was just going to bed. It's not like they shouldn't have gone or anything like that. It's very much just like I physically couldn't put in the effort to go and to stay up that late. And if I did, you know, I wouldn't have even appreciated the memories that I was making because I would feel so sick. And so it definitely, it it takes a toll on, just as you said, like you feel like you're kind of missing out on building those relationships and creating those memories. And then, you know, that, that knowledge and that feeling of missing out really does take a toll on, you know, the isolation that's already just compiling up when you're sick because it feels like, you know, although there are amazing people around you, you're still very much, you feel like there's like a bubble around you, if that makes sense. Yeah, exactly. That's so funny. I was just going to bring that up. There's the whole idea of like, when I make it to an event, there's this isolation because it feels like there's this plate glass window between me and anyone that I'm talking to, because I have so much going on in my head. You know, all I'm all consuming thoughts about, I, you know, I feel like I need to go home. I'm exhausted. I wonder when it's going to be like acceptable for me to leave and all of these different things. But then there's also the isolation of, okay, I never made it to the event. And so then that sucks because you're just sitting there in your own thoughts, trying 
to, you know, not think about the fact that all of your friends are out and having a good time as they should be, but you know, your body is just like forcing you to lay in bed and go to bed early. And I remember there was this one time we were throwing a 21st birthday party for my friend. And it was actually probably one of the last things that we could do before COVID started. And we were making her, um, have you ever seen those birthday cakes where you make like the Barbie 21st birthday cake? It's just like a fun birthday cake. Mm -hmm. And so we were making that for her and we were all so excited to throw her this party. And we spent, you know, the day going, you know, we were at class then we spent the day, you know, going to the dollar store and like Target and stuff and getting um, sprinkles and baking the cake and making the Barbie look like it was her 21st birthday and like throwing it on the cake and frosting it. And it was so much fun. But I spent so much energy doing that by the time... I was supposed to get ready for the party. I was so miserable. And I ended up rallying because I had to. It was one of my good friend's birthdays. And I wanted her to know how special she was to me and to celebrate it with her. But it was so hard to know, like, and to gear myself up for that. And, you know, there are times where you choose, like, okay, I know I'm probably not going to feel good tomorrow because of what I'm doing. But, like, this was worth it. And that's just challenging. Right. Right. I remember someone actually approached me when I finally went went to a party senior fall. I had been gone all of junior year and I went to a party at the beginning of the year, senior year, and multiple people who I knew vaguely but, you know, weren't my best friend group came up to me and were like, oh my God, I didn't know you. Like, I thought you didn't like parties. And I was like, no, I'm just sick. Like, <laughs> I love seeing people. I just physically have not been able to show up. And it does, like, I think it, it can just feel very weird and it can it can um, feed into that feeling of, like, your situation is just so misunderstood. Like, I think people just thought that I didn't want to go to parties and was, like, low-key a loner who, like, sat in my room all the time. But really, I was, like, <laughs> driving to doctors all the time. You know, that, again, just, like, this idea of a lot of feelings – just compile and build on top of each other when you know you're sick and you're going through anything regardless of what age you are I think like you know the isolation just builds on top of um you know people just not fully understanding or people looking from the outside in and having literally no idea what's actually going on well and that's the whole thing too because you know invisible illness like you would look at either of us when we were out and be like the one time we went out in a few months or something like that. And we were, you know, had actually put on real clothes for the first time rather than sweatpants. And like we, you know, made our hair look nice and put on a little bit of makeup. And like we walked out and we look like every other person that's there. But internally, all I'm thinking about is I'm in pain. I need to go home. What time can I leave? Am I, you know, is there a place to sit down? You know, all of those things, which in a bar, there's never a place to sit down. Let's just talk about that now. But it's like even trying to keep a conversation with someone, like it's so exhausting, not because the person, like the conversation isn't interesting or the person is exhausting, but trying to continuously come up with something to say when you're thinking about all of those other things and it's consuming so much of your brain, is just endlessly tiring. And you're just never gonna like have... A great conversation when you're feeling like that and so it's sometimes even like oh well why did I even bother you know going out in the first place like if this is how it's gonna be and like how I'm gonna be able to you know socialize right right and it's so hard because you know it, it can come across as like you know you don't want to talk to someone but like I never don't want to talk to like 
my best friends or my family members or things like that. It's just like, I physically do not have the mental capacity to talk to you right now. And that can, again, like it can be really hard to maintain relationships when it feels like every time you want to talk to your best friend or, you know, your college roommate, you get a migraine the day before and you're out. Yeah. And you're just sitting there feeling guilty because every time that you want to come visit or you want to go to dinner or something, like I end up canceling because, you know, I can't predict how I'm going to feel. And I don't care how good of a friend you are or how understanding you are, like that's going to hurt regardless of how many times in how understanding you can be, even if you fully understand the situation, like it's just going to be really challenging. Right. Exactly. Yeah. I think it's, it, it just, it really takes a toll on the relationships that you build. And, you know, I think we both, I mean, have absolutely incredible friends who understand and everything like that, but it still makes me feel to this day, you know, even if it's a friend from high school or something like that, when I can't talk to them or I have to cut our lunch date, you know, I have to end it sooner or something like that. I still feel immensely guilty that I really want to have this time with you. I really want to hear all about your life and have an amazing day together, but I I can't, like I physically can't. And it just, that feeling of guilt can be a lot stronger than you would think. Oh, absolutely. And even in the case of traveling, or even if someone comes to visit you, it's so much more exhausting than I think people without chronic illness can understand because most of my day I wake up and I don't talk to anyone or have like a real conversation for a while. Like I'm basically just focused on getting the food and like amount of food I need to get in my body to like live for the rest of the day and stuff and create my morning. And I'm, you know, I take things slow and stuff like that. And, you know, that's like my healing routine right now. And even like my, you know, freshman roommate who I just love to death, she came up this summer and after three or four days, I was like, listen, like I, Mm -hmm. I can't, you know, I can't do this anymore. Like I, I either, we need to sit here and lay and not talk, you know, for basically the next two or three days, or like you need to go home. And she's so wonderful and so understanding, but like that makes you feel so guilty because it's not, I don't want you there. And I think that's really hard for someone who doesn't have chronic illness to be able to fully grasp, no matter how great of a friend they are, you know, right. I being able to do something, not even every minute of every day, because we take breaks and stuff and everybody's acknowledges that I can't go full force, but you end up doing so much more because you want to do so much more. And it's, it's just hard that that's not always an option. Totally. Yeah. I think that's something that, again, like if, if you don't have a chronic illness, you don't really think about, but like, I, you know, one of my best friends from high school wants to stay with us here in Boulder. And I have to say like, I'm so sorry. Like you can't, like, I I don't have the energy to entertain. And there's a difference between, you know, of course I don't feel like a friend. I have to fully entertain and like, you know, make all the meals for her or anything crazy like that. It's very much like entertain for me just means like waking up and having a conversation with you in the morning. That is enough where I, that's too much for me to do. And it can be really hard to explain that without sounding like you just don't want someone to stay with you or you don't want to hang out with somebody, but it's very much like 
you almost have to draw these boundaries. Otherwise, you suffer. Oh, yeah. And it'll wipe you out for, you know, another week if you're seeing someone for a few days or even like a long weekend or something like that. Like, you have to plan to not be able to do anything for the rest of, you know, the next week or anything like that because you're going to have to be sleeping. You're probably going to be in a lot more pain and it's just frustrating. Right, right. And even just like, (laughs) again, something that people probably don't think about is like the adrenaline and excitement of just like seeing people or, you know, meeting you for coffee and a walk or like when COVID's over, whatever, going to a restaurant. That takes all of the adrenaline that my body can produce. Like all of the cortisol, my adrenals, both of us, like we don't have the energy like that empties our tank for several days. Yeah. And it's like, you're probably just making yourself worse. <laughs> yeah. It's like you have to, and it's so hard because again, just like we said, like, you know, you might wake up that day feeling great and that's amazing, but you also might wake up that day, you know, just for some reason having a bad day and having a headache or having a flare up. And it just makes it so much harder to plan because it feels like you really have no control over how you're going to feel within the next hour or day or I mean planning weeks ahead is literally like just not even an option anymore and even like for this podcast recording like we were supposed to record we normally record way in advance of this but for the past couple weeks Julie and I have basically both been dying and so we're trying to like schedule this out we were supposed to record yesterday but then you know we woke up and it's like no, we can't, we can't record. We like, nobody feels good today, but it's like, it's not even one person trying to manage that with chronic illness. It's two different people. And trust me when I say they literally never match up and that we both have days that we're feeling good. So it's like, okay, who's going to tough it out and try and record this day or that day. So it's even stuff that you really want to do. Right. Right. And it's so true. And it's, that's such a good example because like, this is something that we both want to do and love to do so much, but like we were supposed to record yesterday and I was just like, I, I can't do it. Like, I'm, it's not possible. I'm sorry. Like, it's just not my day today. I'm not functioning. And it's just like, it just shows, like, it doesn't matter how much you care about what you want to do, whether it's recording a podcast episode, meeting someone for dinner, literally like having Thanksgiving with your family. It, you just cannot control how you're going to feel and therefore whether or not you can participate in it. You're so right. And it causes just the so much stress, the not knowing. And it sucks that you can't make plans and you can't, you know, think that far in advance because even like, okay, next year I'm going to do X, Y, and Z. And I'm like, well, I don't really know that. Right, right. And just knowing that like, like for instance, I, I think we'll probably have a whole episode on this as, you know, a holiday comes closer. But like holidays give me extreme anxiety now because like I you know whether it's Thanksgiving or Christmas or I guess I don't know like 4th of July whenever like a lot of people usually come together it again with the mental energy even if you're just sitting on the couch when my 30 cousins come over for Thanksgiving my brain literally melts like I just it it doesn't function anymore and I love them all so dearly but like the two weeks leading up to Thanksgiving I'm like it's coming. Like, I know that I'm going to be exhausted. I know that they're going to, you know, do activities that I can't participate in and I'm going to have to go up to bed 
and know that everyone's downstairs being together. And it just really sucks. Like it, it definitely doesn't get any easier. No. And I mean, I've kind of had to no. shift my perspective almost a little bit because, you know, I mean, obviously this has been like a relatively depressing episode of like, oh, there's nothing you can do and it sucks. But, um, yeah, I just, <laughs> let's, let's try to make it some positive now. <laughs> yeah. Like I've shifting my perspective from, okay, fully engaging with my life looks different than fully engaging with it before I got sick. It doesn't mean that because I can only do X out of a hundred events that is less than, you know, the amount of events I would have originally been able to go to with a healthy body that I'm, you know, not fully embracing my life or anything like that. It's more like, okay, I'm fully embracing my life with the body that I have been given and that is here now. And so like the idea of trying to squeeze every opportunity for all it's worth and stuff and every, you know, moment of every day, that kind of sucks with chronic illness because it like that's just never going to happen. But I've tried to train myself to look at it differently in that, okay, I'm not focusing on, you know, the moments that I've lost because of illness or the events that I can't go to. They were never meant for me to go to them. Like that's my body was never going to be able to do that. So it's not as if like I'm not engaging with that moment. It's like I'm engaging with the events that I and the opportunities and, you know, memories that I can make because my body is going to allow me to. And that is my definition of, you know, fully embracing and engaging with my life. And hopefully that, it, I wouldn't say it totally works, but it helps me shift my perspective when I get into like a cycle of, you know, this just really sucks and I don't know what to do. And like, there's nothing that can help. It's like, it has to right. be a perspective change. Yeah. And it is like, you know, once you, it's, it's really weird because once you are sick or you experience like a near death, you know, face with death, basically, you do have such a stronger appreciation for like, you know, really taking hold of every day. Like, oh my God, I could die tomorrow. And it really like feels real when you've grappled with the fact that you might die. Um, and so it's kind of funny because you, you have to balance that like, oh my God, I want to embrace every day with like, okay, how do I embrace every day now? For me, you know, my family skis every Christmas and I obviously can't ski. So instead, you know, my version of embracing, you know, being in the mountains and stuff like that is that, you know, I'll, I'll sit by the window and look outside or I'll put on ski gear and meet them outside, but I won't actually ski or something like that. That's like, or even just, when they come home, just sitting on the couch and being in the same room as everybody, you know, like it's, it's a very different appreciation for moments. And, you know, the same thing with if like, you know, so Justin and I this weekend were in Utah and it was absolutely amazing. And my extremely active self, you know, I was literally situated between two national parks and I was like literally dying that I couldn't hike. I was like, oh my God. I am in the most beautiful place in the world. All I want to do is get out and hike. But I had to change the way that I was embracing it to instead, you know, looking out at the beautiful, you know, landscape from the car or 
you know, bundling up and sitting outside and looking at it, you know, it was very, and it still really sucks. Like there are, it makes it easier at times, but it also can make it harder at times knowing that, you know, I'm sitting outside looking at this landscape rather than engaging with it and embracing it the way that I want to and that I usually would. But it, I think it still enables you to engage with life the way that you want to in the way that, of course, like, you know, you should every single day. But it can still be, you know, I think to what you just said, like, it is still like a balancing act. And like, you know, you're still kind of learning how to do it in a way that makes you feel fulfilled every day. Yeah. And even for me, I think it changes with different periods of my life. Like, there are times when this perspective helps me. And then there's times where it hurts me. And then there's times where, I mean, even activity wise, like I'm going to be able to do more things. I'm going to be able to do more outdoor activities. Like I love to hike too. And, you know, maybe I am going to be able to do something like go on a vacation and not be totally wiped out after. And so there are going to be times now where I'm feeling better than obviously I did when I was first diagnosed. And I, there will be times where I feel worse than I do now, I'm sure. Cause like chronic illness, like this is a whole roller coaster of things that you're trying to do. And it's just, it can be really hard sometimes, but it, it's going to fluctuate throughout your life of, okay, I can do this this day and I can not do this this, the next day. And, you know, trying to make that work in your head can be really challenging and it can totally mess with you. And I think it can mess with other people too. Right, right. And it can make it like, again, you know, when people say, oh, but, you know, two weeks ago we were able to take a walk and, you know, it looked like you were hiking and things like that. Like, what's wrong now? You know, it, it, although of course it's okay to ask those questions, it can make, you know, those of us who are sick feel even more like isolated and misunderstood because it is very much, I you know, yes, two weeks ago I was hiking or I was able to go to a meal or something like that. And I wish I still could. And now it's, it you know, falling back a couple steps or, you know, having a flare up is never easy. And when somebody assumes that because you felt some way yesterday or last month or last year that you'll feel that way today, it can, it can kind of make you cocoon in on yourself even more like it's just easier to like not even talk about it or not even try to socialize you know it that isolation can make it be like you know what maybe it's just easier to literally talk to my family and be in bed all the time and just not even worry about other people oh absolutely I mean especially with like the limited energy that you have and you know, people usually use spoon theory to describe living with chronic illness. And for those of you who don't know, it's kind of like you wake up and you have a certain amount of spoons and like, that's all you have for the day. And each task requires a spoon, but it's so much more complicated than just, you know, I got up and ate breakfast. That's one spoon. It's like, no, I got up and I took my meds. That's one spoon. I brushed my teeth and I washed my face. That's another spoon. I got dressed. That's another one because it takes so much energy to do the small tasks. So you know, it can be really frustrating right. sometimes when people try and question it or are, you know, some people can be flat out rude and just not believe you in that, you know, oh, she just, you know, doesn't want to hang out today or doesn't right. want to do this or that or is too lazy or whatever. 
And it's like, no, I, I can't waste the limited amount of energy I have, like responding in those ways, you know, trying to like explain myself all the time. It was like, I just, I, I can't keep doing that. And so it's, you have to like reserve your mental energy all the time or just your energy in general. And I even have to, you know, explain to myself, like trying really hard to, you know, allow myself to rest, you know, some days, okay, I'm feeling I could do X, Y, and Z and that's great. And then the next day I can't do those things. And I have to, my brain's like, well, no, you have to do those things. You could do them yesterday. And, you know, like having to explain to myself, you know, and rationalize like, okay, but you're allowed to rest because you did X, Y, and Z today. And yesterday you didn't do those things. You couldn't rest or whatever. And it's like almost bargaining for myself. Like, but it just takes so much extra energy that I really don't have. And so it's like training your brain to live with the chronic illness. And there's no right way or wrong way to do it. It's just like whatever works for you. But it's so hard sometimes, especially with like how much it fluctuates. Right? No, it's so true of like, I I have that a lot of like, oh, yesterday I was able to take Oakley outside or like yesterday I was able to stretch. So like today I must be able to and like, you know, I just need to, you know, stand up and get off the couch and then I'll feel better. And it is like you have to almost like talk yourself down and you have to say like, no, you're not feeling well today and that's okay. Like it's okay that you don't, you can't do anything today. It's okay that you're going to sit on the couch all day. Like the productivity mindset has to completely disappear when you have chronic illness. And that also makes it more difficult when people, you know, I think, um, people, especially like millennials or whatever age we are, love to boast busyness. Like, oh yeah, I'm super busy. And it's like a positive thing. And it's like, well, I'm not super busy. You know, I showered today and that was like a huge accomplishment because showering is the most exhausting thing on the face of the planet. Like, yeah. And it's not even getting dressed after showering. Like I just have to end up passing out on my bed for a few hours in a towel. Like I don't even get the chance to brush my hair. It's like, that's just way too much. Yeah, brushing your hair is an arb workout now. Like a straight up, literally like I don't ever need to do a push up again because I have to brush my hair and like that's that's enough now. And when, you know, people who don't understand, which is, you know, it's I wouldn't understand if I wasn't sick either. You know, it's not anybody's fault for not understanding because it's it's honestly impossible to understand unless it happens to you. But you know, when people question it or not even question on purpose, but, you know, just subtly, you know, I remember when I see people in the summer, you know, friends from home and things like that, they'll say like, oh, why haven't, you know, why haven't I seen you or why aren't you coming out on the lake or something like that? You know, things that I would usually do, you know, I I do feel that knee jerk reaction of having to be like, oh, you don't understand. Like I, I physically can't, I'm sick and blah, 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 blah. And that just kind of pushes you down even more, feeling more isolated, more misunderstood. Yeah, and it ends up being this like trauma response to over-explain yourself because you're so worried about being perceived as you know judgmental or yeah. as if you don't want to hang out with the person or anything like that. And sometimes it's just so much easier and why I think that the isolation that chronic illness breeds can sometimes be best met and countered with friendships 
with people who also have chronic illness because you don't feel the need to explain in those moments. Or, you know, it strengthens bonds with family right. members because a lot of times they're the ones that see you see you day in and day out and they just really understand. So you can kind of not have to worry about it as much. And I mean, obviously there are exceptions and like we're both blessed with really supportive families and friends, but it can just be it can be hard. I have a friend who's like, when I'm in a flare, I only want to talk to people who have Lyme disease because those are the only people who just get it as soon as I say it. And I don't need or feel the need to say anything else. Yeah. Yeah. I feel that. I know that when I'm sick and really just like 98% of the time, the only people that I can talk to are you because you obviously understand if I'm just like, I'm sorry, like if my all of my words are spelled incorrectly and my sentences aren't making sense um or even just like yesterday for instance we were texting about figuring out the podcast and I was just like you know what I had a travel day and I'm exhausted and I have a headache and I didn't have to say anything else and you were just like okay yep nope rest we'll figure it out tomorrow you know whereas for somebody else for somebody else I might have to say you know like yesterday I I wasn't even driving the car, but I was in a car and being in a car is really tiring and it messed up my sleep schedule and all of these things that, you know, you might not think about unless you <laughs> are sick, basically. Um, and in those moments of fatigue, the only people I can be around are like my family or Justin, who's basically my family. But, you know, it's like people who are basically either understand because they are sick or it feels like you don't have to change or like be happy or excited to be around them or just people who you don't have to be like excited exactly. when you jump in when they come into a room exactly. and you're not gonna think that I'm ignoring you exactly like my mom like I could just sit on the couch and literally just not speak to her for like four hours and she won't be offended or like Justin yesterday I was like, I am just going to watch TV and I'm not going to talk to you and like keep filling up my teacup. Like, <laughs> please help me. Like, that's literally it. And so it can be really hard because like, of course, I want to be spending time with like, you know, extended family and friends and things like that. And to explain that can be really hard and it can just make you feel, you know, although of course you have reason, like you feel sick, you are going through a flare-up or you are feeling sick, it still makes you feel guilty. Oh, absolutely. And I even think the part that sucks too is this isolation, when it's at its most extreme, it steals periods of time from you. So like when you're feeling really poorly, like there are parts of my life that I don't have a lot of memories from. Like there are bits and pieces, but big parts that I don't remember because yeah. I was in so much pain. I was so fatigued. I was sleeping so much, like whatever it was, like my body has blocked it out. And I just really yes. don't have a lot of opportunities, you know, to remember that. And then even like now, like I'm taking a year and I'm trying to heal and, you know, get as healthy as I can. Like that sucks too. Like even though it's a pandemic and like, I mean, it's probably the best year that I could have taken off, but like, it's, it sucks that especially in like your formative years, like your early twenties and stuff like that, like you have to, it almost feels like wasting time. And it's not a waste because like, it's your body and you need it to heal and stuff, but it's so hard sometimes. And you're just sitting there like, there's some parts I just don't even remember. Like, I don't remember it. Like, that's just depressing. It is. Yeah. And when I, 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 
you know, Maddie is taking this year to heal. I took, you know, not that you need to take a year or not that you need any reason to just take time to heal. But when I first got sick my junior year, I took that whole year off. And it's so funny because all of my my closest, you know, best friends from college have listened to the podcast and they texted me afterwards, you know, especially when they listened to my podcast episode, you know, they were the ones who knew the most out of like anybody of the general public. And they were still all saying things like, oh my God, I had no idea. Like, I, I wish I could have been there for you more right away when this was happening. And I had to tell all of them like, no, you were there for me. And like, I, it's literally that I was not a human. Like, I can't even remember what I did every day. And that's why I never texted you or wasn't filling you guys in. Like, I literally was the shell of a human. Like, I I can't even remember any of it. That first year that I was sick, I, I can remember bits and pieces. But, you know, they were all like, oh, my God, I had no idea. I'm so sorry. And I was like, well, you shouldn't be sorry. It's literally that my body shut down. And, like, there was no way for me to tell you about it because I couldn't even remember it myself. Yeah, and... I mean, I think Julie and I obviously try and make a point like we're very blessed to have family and friends who have gone above and beyond the call of duty of, you know, trying to understand and support us. But we obviously never in these episodes want to feel like, you know, we're we're venting, obviously, and we're trying to share these experiences that a lot of people feel. But I mean, you can feel you can have the best friends in the world and the best family in the world. But at the end of the day, like it's inside your body and, you know, you hit the pillow at night and like you're the only one that's experiencing these things and family and friends can be great and they can bring you food and they can make your tea and you know all of these things they can help drive you to doctor's appointments they can check in on you but I mean the burden of illness and you know fighting it day in and day out in your body is yours to carry alone at the end of it and it's super hard and a lot of caretakers want to you know pull that burden from you but I mean, there's just like nothing that you can really do. Right. And it is, I mean, just like what we we posted the quote the other day of like, there's no right way to do chronic illness. I do think that there's so many shared feelings and experiences. And I think, you know, one of the reasons we wanted to do this episode is because feelings of isolation and guilt and how those manifest in relationships is so central. And, you know, it as Maddie just said, you can have the best family, the best friends, the best, you know, everything in the entire world and feel extremely supported, but you still feel that, that sense of, you know, like you are literally lost in the woods and you don't have any light and you don't know where you're going. And it doesn't matter how many people are holding your hand. It, it can still be absolutely terrifying. You know, and some of that guilt is even like we, we don't want to be a burden. We don't want to make our people who care for us and who, you know, love us feel as if they are helpless and they can't do anything. And, you know, it seems to be this like endless cycle of, you know, guilt and grief and how that works together in the fact that you don't, you know, you're still isolated. You're not getting out a lot. You know, there are only, you know, so many hours of the day that you're awake and, Right. It's overall, I mean, chronic illness is hard and there's just no great way to, you know, give you a perfect answer on how to fix it. Right. Right. And so, you know, love and support 
and you know, our friends, Maddie and I are both so grateful to have amazing friends and family who have taken care of us. And again, like in no way are we trying to discredit those people and how much that they have really been our lifeboats throughout this, you know, whether it's friends when we were both in college or our parents, you know, like literally carrying us along the way. I think it's just that the point we're trying to make is that no matter how much support and amazing people around you you have, it's okay to still feel these feelings of isolation. And it can feel wrong to be, you know, to know that you're so fortunate to have amazing people around you and still feel oddly isolated. But I think that that is just a part of the chronic illness experience sometimes. And that's okay. Yeah. And I mean, we hope that just by listening to this, you feel validated in your experience that, you know, there is no right way to do a chronic illness and to, to deal with it. And for you or your family members or your friends, but hopefully by, even if you're laying in bed right now, listening to this, because reading something or keeping your eyes open is just too much. And you're sitting there and trying to feel you know, supported and seen, like we hope that you do and that you continue to feel that in future episodes. So definitely let us know if there are other topics that you guys really want us to touch on. Um, You can contact us on our website and on Instagram, which are both in the description below. And as always, thank you so much to the Global Lyme Alliance who does so much work for the community, raising money for research and education and we're just happy to be able to be a part of it. And, um, hopefully, you know, we'll continue to make real strides in, you know, breaking this isolation barrier for those dealing with Lyme and chronic illness. Definitely. And we will catch you back on the too much Lyme episode. Oh my God. I'm so tired. Do you see this? Like (laughs) too much Lyme episode. Sorry. Maddie and I are both going to go take a nap after this. Um, we will catch you back on the too much Lyme podcast in the next couple weeks. Thanks so much for listening, guys.